Welcome to the Scottish Business Network podcast. Welcome to episode 14. My name is Fraser Allen. There were once five stock exchanges in Scotland in Edinburgh, Glasgow, Dundee, Aberdeen and Greenock. Times changed and they stopped trading, but a new Scottish stock exchange is about to emerge in Edinburgh. Funded by private investors, it's billed as a 21st century exchange and a driving force for positive social and environmental impact. I was delighted to spend time with Thomas Carruthers, the CEO of Project Heather, which is the team behind the new Scottish Stock Exchange, plans for which are very well advanced. We met at his office in central Edinburgh, complete with occasional extraneous sound effects of reversing lorries and flocks of seagulls, and began by discussing the investment tech adventures of the early days of Thomas's career. So, Thomas Carruthers, um, firstly, when and how did the idea for the Scottish Stock Exchange first uh, come to fruition in your mind? That's a great question, because I haven't really talked about this publicly, but um, I studied the history of the Scottish Enlightenment when I was at uh, university, and I became interested then in this idea of 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 a new world in which the Highlands and the Lowlands were connected, and of what, what there's an author in the period called Adam Ferguson who talks about for the first time this concept of civil society and the development of civil society so I became very interested then in, in what had gone on in Scotland before that and of course around the Union and read Christopher Smout Christopher Smout's book on the economy of Scotland in the, uh, in the 15th and 16th and 17th centuries and, and, and in those days even then I suppose I was quite interested in the idea of how Scotland didn't have a capital market that was effective but, but could have had, and, and perhaps if it had had a capital market, what the consequences of that might have been. Right. So, yes, yeah, it goes back quite a long time. And when the internet first became a real thing, um, I started a company called Electronic Share Information in Cambridge. And, and even then I was talking about the idea that the internet would make it possible for an issuer anywhere to be able to publish their share prices and to find investors. Um, and that's what we did. I mean, ESI was acquired by E-Trade and became a retail stockbroking firm. And after that, I started in Interactive, which also is a big did, retail Didn't, didn't you run into trouble with the London Stock Exchange at the time? They, they so I did, yeah. yeah. So yes, but that's, that's just because, you know, normally, um, normally it takes a bit of time before people realise that what's going to become normal is normal. So, so yeah, so with ESI, we launched this website in April of 1995 that published share prices. And we had bought a feed from London Stock Exchange and... Um, their account manager came up to offices in Cambridge and was happy with the way that we'd, we'd use it. I have to say that at that point, the Learners Exchange didn't have email, and we did. So they actually had to come up to visit us to check that it worked because they didn't have email or a browser on their internal systems. So um, they signed it off, so we thought we were fine. So we went live in September 1995 and received a lawyer's letter from Herbert Smith. Um, acting for the London Stock Exchange that said that they were going to pull our price feed um, for breach of contract, which we, we hadn't done because clearly, sure, yeah. clearly we had a contract. We paid for it. I mean, it was it was astonishing. It was absolutely astonishing. And um, of course, for me as, as a young man then, 
um, quite frightening. Yeah. Being sued by the London Stock Exchange and being sued by Herbert Smith. So we uh, tried to comply as fast as we could and did with the uh, requirements that had been set out. And, and the only issue that was remaining was that we were about to have a launch of the whole event. Um, so we were about to have a launch of the whole um, project on Tower Bridge. The idea being on Tower Bridge that we were bridging using the internet from the City of London mm. to the private investor everywhere and the uh, company everywhere. Right. So we had to decide whether we are going to still have that event and um, the major investor in the company turned around and said that we should continue. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had to deal with an with a internet company that doesn't exist anymore, Pipex, in Cambridge. Um, and we were concerned that quite a lot of people wouldn't have access to the internet in order to see the demonstration. So we decided to continue, and we, we got Pipex to produce CD-ROMs so that every journalist attending... <laughs> Different <laughs> days. Exactly. <laughs> could, could, could take a CD-ROM and load, right. put it into their computer and load a application which would allow them <laughs> to create a dial-in back in the days of modem, wow. you know, 28-point yeah. kiloboard mm. um, connection to the internet so they could mm. see that what we were saying was true, and you could actually... See mm-hmm. a real-time share price on a web page. Yeah, and remember that browsers in those days were nothing like as functional as they are now. I mean, the first instance of ESI, we had this concept of um, free uh, bronze and silver, where free was um, that you could see real-time prices, but only for a limited amount of time. It's called contention, contended basis. Right. And then bronze and silver, where you're paying some money, and you can see them. Um, for, for much longer length of time or mm. indeed as many prices as you want and, and we had panels that said free bronze and silver yeah. and the original Netscape browser in 1995 didn't support panels so the web designer had done this very nice website mm. then put it live and we had people dialing up the customer service desk saying I'm clicking on this and it doesn't work and so we had to go outside the office to a coffee shop locally and open up the, web, the browser and look at the website. And indeed, in our office, it all worked. Outside our office, it didn't right. work. And that was in 1995. So Good grief, not that long ago. Not that really, long ago. Yeah. Um, but so obviously, some aspects of what you do now are a little bit easier. They are. I mean, <laughs> many people developing websites will relate to that story, mm. that when you're sitting in your office on your own IP connection, this all works, and when yeah. you look at somebody else, yeah. it doesn't work. Mm. So, so we lived through that as well. But so, so, I mean, this idea of the stock exchange is not something you just dreamt up, you know, two or three years ago. It's something you've been thinking about for a, a very long time. A very long time, yeah. yes, because I... Um, I went to school in Newcastle on Tyne and I was taken onto the floor of what was then the Newcastle Stock Exchange in Pilgrim Street. And it's probably a very odd thing, but then my father was very interested. My father was a business journalist. He was interested in, in, in the 40s field and in the discovery of gas off Kinsale Head. And, um, and so, so I knew about stock markets. In fact, he gave me the back page of the FT to read when I was a kid. So. At, at far too young age, I was being taught what a price earnings ratio was and what dividend deals was and dividend cover was and the rest of it. So, um, so I've taken forward Newcastle Stock Exchange. So I always had this idea that there were local stock exchanges, that there'd been a stock mm. exchange in Newcastle. And then yeah. afterwards, coming back to Scotland, that there'd been a stock exchange at number two North St David Street, which is now the offices of Royal London. Mm. That was the Edinburgh Stock Exchange. There was a stock exchange, of course, in Glasgow. Right. You can still see the sign next to Starbucks. Um, there was a stock exchange in Dundee. There was a stock exchange in Aberdeen. And... And why not? Why shouldn't capital markets be... There's one in Greenock, I believe. Did you use that right? There was Exactly, the stock exchange in Greenock. So the stock exchange in Greenock is interesting because no company ever listed in Greenock 
But clearly there was an immense amount of wealth in Greenock because of the shipbuilding business. So mm. a completed ship, well, a completed superstructure would be, or hull would be floating down the Clyde. And, and there was a lot of finishing off in, in Greenock. Of course, the finishing off is a huge business. Yeah, yeah. And so there's great wealth there. Yeah. You, you only have to go to Greenock and see the houses. Mm. So uh, there was a lot of wealth invested from Greenock into Scottish businesses. In the same way, interesting, I think Dundee, I mean, the Dundee Stock Exchange was founded because of the wealth of the jute business. And yes. the people who entered the jute business wanted to re- be able to reinvest their surplus yeah. into other companies in the Scottish economy. So that's why Dundee existed. Um, Edinburgh, of course, was very much banks, the Bank mm-hmm. of Scotland and, and, and the Royal Bank, Glasgow, Glasgow Bank and others. Mm-hmm. And there was a vibrant business. Yeah. So and obviously they, they've all gone by the, the way now. I mean, is it they all they came to to close down quite a few years ago now? But is there anything from their demise that you've you've been able to learn from that you can that is useful so for the new exchange? There wasn't a demise. That's the first thing. Okay. It's not like they failed. Yeah. They weren't bankrupt. Mm-hmm. These exchanges were mostly owned by local brokers, and in the nature of things, it turned out that it was easier to hit a price that was being generated by a market maker or on the floor of the London Stock Exchange than perhaps it was to hit a price right. on their own floor. Yeah. Um, so, so a lot of liquidity went to London, and, and fair enough. Mm. Um, I have a picture that I used at the Botanic Gardens presentation yes. of the last day of trading on the Edinburgh Stock Exchange, and the last day of trading on the Edinburgh Stock Exchange, with respect, is a lot of very well-dressed gentlemen sitting around telephones because they're telephoning orders mm. to their firm's representative on the floor of the London Stock Exchange. Yeah. So, so I think what you should take away from that is it's technology, right? Yes. That was what happened. It was technology. Telephones in those days were amazing technology. Yeah, yeah. We now have amazing technology too. We yes. have We have cloud-based computing, yeah. which means that I can take advantage of our partnership with Euronext to create mm. the full functionality of what used to be the whole trading floor of a stock yeah. exchange in Edinburgh using computers. Yeah. So the first thing is technology. The second thing is... They weren't closed because they weren't economic. They were closed because a decision had been taken by um, the government of Harold Wilson um, in what's called the Jenkins Report Mm. to bring all the securities that were quoted in different exchanges together. First of all, in regional exchanges. So, for example, Aberdeen, Edinburgh, Greenock, Dundee all give their securities lists to Glasgow and Glasgow becomes a Scottish exchange in 1965. Same thing happened with the northeast of England, the northwest of England and, and so on. So Birmingham becomes a major exchange, for example. Um, That was because the government was going through an extremely severe sterling crisis, which none of us remember now, right? The devaluation of sterling, twice under Harold Wilson. And therefore the emphasis on export goods. One of the major export goods was invisibles. The argument was made that London was able to compete across the entire continent of Europe hmm. to provide stock exchange services, and therefore we needed a sort of national champion, as the French would call it. Right, okay. And, yeah. and that was the reason it was done. These, right. these exchanges weren't yeah. unsuccessful. Yeah. They were playing an important role. But sure, they were yeah. Clo- yeah. They were clo- I mean, ultimately, the, the international stock exchange of Great Britain and Northern Ireland is created by Act of Parliament. It was a government intervention. Sure, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, there was one exchange that was left that was still owned by its own stockbrokers and member firms because, of course, it was another part of Great Britain. It was... The Stock Exchange in Dublin, which was founded in 1799. Right. The Irish Stock Exchange, which was still owned by its members mm. down to 2017 and very successfully trading, was acquired by Euronex for 137 million euro in cash right. in April last year. Yeah. So the model absolutely worked. Yes. <laughs> so um, when did you start actually seriously 
start working on Project Heather, which is the name for the Scottish Stock Exchange. And, and what's the story from that, that point onwards to where you are now? We did a scoping study with the City of Edinburgh Council to examine whether there was a market failure in access to equity capital in, first of all, the Edinburgh and Lothians area, and secondly, all of Scotland uh, in 2016. And that, that, that produced, after analysis, I suppose, in a way, depressingly, the result you'd expect, which is, yes, there is. Um, so that was really where it all started. Secondly, because the work I've been doing previously, we had already approached Euronext, and so I went to Euronext and said, we would like to find a way in which we could operate a proper, an actual stock exchange uh, based in Edinburgh that could allow issuers to raise equity capital on a public market. And I should say, thirdly, the public market bit's very important to me. I don't think that this is going to work unless you can get members of the public to invest. Mm. And, and so it's very important that this is a stock exchange. People say, what's a stock exchange? Well, the core thing a stock exchange does is allow companies to raise money from the general public. And it's very important that this initiative is supported by the general public. If it isn't supported, it won't work. Yeah. And then the fourth thing is what you know, which is I came at this from a very strong focus on social justice and, and environmental impact. Mm. And Scotland is a great place to focus on that because everyone cares about it already. So if we can find a way to catalyse new social entrepreneurship and new business creation mm. that will have a positive social impact and a positive environmental impact, then, then we'll have achieved everything that we wanted to do when we first started. But that was how it all started. Right, right. That we, looked, we looked at Edinburgh and Lothian and then Scotland, because obviously Edinburgh's the capital, and thought, what if, mm. imagine if, Yes. It was possible to create a new stock exchange. Yeah. And then what, what would the concatenation of that be? Right. And why, why do you think Scotland is such a good place to do this in, insofar as um, I was interviewing somebody recently about the, the, the social enterprise sector in Scotland, which seems to be in some ways more vibrant and innovative than it is south of the border. And she put that down to the culture being slightly different here, maybe a little bit closer to the some of the Scandinavian models where there's a little bit more interest in that doing things for the, the, the greater good. But yes, I think that Scotland and the north of England has a very strong sense of community and a very strong sense that you're part of your community and you're not just a sort of billiard ball bouncing around on the table. So I think that's, just, that's kind of all part of our personal identities, that, that we are billiard balls, that we're connected to people, sure. we're connected to the community, we're connected to the land. Um, there's also, of course, this concept that comes from the Scottish Enlightenment, you know, that um, we are, we, the highest level of civilization is not, is not wealth, the highest level of civilization is to be more responsible and to be a member of your civic community yeah. and your society. So that if you are using, if you are fortunate enough to be wealthy, mm. um, you have responsibility to employ that capital. Right. to generate a yield which isn't simply financial. Of course, you must sustain your family, but also you must yes. generate capital and value for the community and for the society and for, and for the environment. Yeah. And I think that's a very Scottish thing to think. Which, which chimes very much with this whole idea of brand purpose at the moment, which is a bit... You know, it does, yes. I mean, isn't it interesting? Hmm. Um, I, I don't think that until, until certain American management consultants landed, anyone thought it was a, a, an odd thing to run your business purposefully. But now we have a whole running exercise saying, be a purposeful business, be mission-led. Great, definitely, because I think probably mm -hmm. everyone was. Yeah, 
Yep. So, yeah. so as well as I being mean, a, a I very think Mar- Mar- Mariana Mazzucato has been talking this morning in Edinburgh about the mission-led Scottish National Investment Bank, which is great. Right. I mean, if you're creating a new national investment bank, of course it must be yes. mission-led uh, and purposeful uh, in the way that capital is deployed for social good and for environmental impact, mm. positive environmental impact. So, so as well as um, building what is being built very much as a modern 21st century stock exchange, you're also drawing on some quite traditional values, so it's a, a blend of the two. I'm not sure it's a blend. I think, I think that Scotland has a unique tradition, and that tradition is that, that, that tradition is something that I grew up in. I'm connected to it in, in old ways, you know, the fact that if you were to look at it, as my parents would have said, there's a lot of wind. So, <laughs> someone has a lot of wind. Nowadays, we say renewable energy. I mean, yes. <laughs> um, I used to get taken to North Berwick as a child on a Sunday morning, and there was a lot of wave energy as well, <laughs> smashing against the sea wall. So, yes, there's a lot of sea mm. waves. Um, uh, but nowadays, nowadays, that's also an energy opportunity. We, mm. I met a wonderful company in Leith, which is running the Shetlands Tidal Array and generating energy and wants right. to expand. And, and, and so, so, there's all of that. I read a report this morning that says that England may run out of water in 25 years. Well, well, 90% of the fresh water in the United Kingdom is in Loch Ness. Right. <laughs> so something's fine. Yeah. Um, so, so yes, of course, there's a natural argument. And then, and then I go back to the fact that I think people here are just, you know, if you're Kuthi, I think people are much more mm. connected to each other mm-hmm. and, and therefore not. Yeah. I don't think they're going to find... I've had somebody say to me, why are you doing this with a social and an environmental requirement? Mm-hmm. Why don't you just allow it to come for all comers? I honestly don't think that's a problem in Scotland. I think there'll mm-hmm. be more companies and more entrepreneurs and more investors in Scotland because it has a focus on businesses that have a positive social and environmental impact. Okay. And, and what sort of companies are you expecting to list uh, in, in terms of size and type of... You know, type of organisation? So one of the things that we've been very clear about and the work that we've been doing is that we want to find companies and support them who, of course, are capital intensive because why a stock exchange? You need to be able to raise money. Um, companies that can be run purposefully to achieve positive social impact and, and that, of course, then focuses you on things like social housing, things like um, education and schooling, things like health, uh, renewable energy, which is also obviously very well known, and, and the economics of finance and renewable energy are also now very well known. Um, so they would be big, important sectors for us. Right. More than that, there are, there are interesting new initiatives that we think that we could assist with. Um, perhaps to start, that will, that perhaps that will issue in companies that don't exist yet. Um, and, and therefore, we've been very clear that our economics have to work as an exchange to ensure that we can be commercially viable as a financing platform for companies with a market capitalisation of only perhaps 20 or 30 million pounds. Right. So one of the big things here is, to, part of my own theory of change, mm. is to say we need to make stock market work for a company that's only 20 or 30 million pounds market cap. Right. Because, because what, happens in Scotland, <coughs> what happens in Scotland, according to the research that we've commissioned, is that by and large... A successful entrepreneur, and my lord, you have to be hard-working and driven to get your company to worth £20 million. You get your company to worth £20 million. And then, a lot of people will tell you to sell it. Yeah. Whereas actually, what we want to say to that entrepreneur is, <coughs> you've done an amazing job to build your company to be worth £20 million. 
we'd like to provide support so that there's a system for you to raise a bit more money, yeah. and then we'd like you to float it. So, in a way, it's also a great way of keeping those businesses in, in Scot- Scottish ownership. Yes, absolutely. I think one of the absolute, absolute systems yeah. interventions we have to make in the Scottish economy... And let's, forget, let's not forget, Scottish entrepreneurship is globally famous. Scotland, yes. Scotland is a country of entrepreneurs, of people who are prepared to take risks to build things and do things. Mm-hmm. What we need to do is make sure that in their generation, yeah. the results of their enterprise, the fruits of their enterprise, mm-hmm. are not sold off. And then mm-hmm. all of the intellectual property, all of that work, and in many cases, all of the jobs they created, yes. are gone yeah. and transferred to a different economy. Yeah. That's not. I mean, Scotland will not prosper as an economy unless the fruits of people's enterprise are able to be transmitted across sure. generations. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm afraid that's the structure of the economy right now. You have so, a lot of enterprising people. They build businesses, amazing businesses. Yeah. And they get sold. Yeah. And the capital leaves, the jobs leave, the intellectual property leaves, and the economic activity leaves. So where are you now, Thomas, in, in terms of? Um, the launch, which I think is sort of you're looking at later this year. So I haven't said anything about launches. What I've said is we should be technically capable of providing a stock exchange platform by the end of the year, by right. the second, in, right. in the second half. Okay. And the reason I haven't said anything about a launch is because operating a stock exchange is a highly regulated activity, and quite rightly so. Mm. And therefore, any prospect of launch date is in the hands of the Financial Conduct Authority. Right. Well, with whom, of course, we're in. What are the major milestones between now and, and that happening? What are the things you've got to... Well, the big things, the big things that we talked about were, <coughs> at the Botanic Gardens, were the fact that we've completed the technical design study and that the exchange platform is already in build, mm-hmm. that we've completed our contractual agreement with EuroCCP so that all trade orders executed on the Scottish Stock Exchange will clear and Europe central counterparty will settle in Euroclear, Crest, as it used to be called, and... That's the technical architecture for the new Scottish Stock Exchange. We need to find offices. I need to build an executive team. We're in the process of doing both. We're building momentum, I think, around the idea that people can have confidence that there is going to be a Scottish Stock Exchange again and support it. I mean, that's very important. Um, Finally, of course, the FCA part. Mm -hmm. It is a highly regulated undertaking. It's supposed to be. And they will be the ultimate determinants of when the market will go live. But technically, technically, mm-hmm. we'll be ready to go live during this year. Right. And it will be based in Edinburgh with offices? Yes, we headquarters in Edinburgh. Um, the Scottish economy is not, thank God, like London, dominated by a single city. Mm. Um, and so we welcome the opportunity to have headquarters in Edinburgh, I, but we'll have offices in... We already have offices in Glasgow, we'll have an office in, Ed- in Aberdeen as well. Oh, right, OK, yeah. Um, because, as I said, it's yeah. a good thing the Scottish economy is not centralised on one city. Nor should it be. Right. And, um, I mean, you, you, you partner with Euronext and uh, the exchange is powered by Optic. And for, for lay people like myself, could you just explain why these are a very good partnership? <laughs> yes, I agree. So this is incredibly geeky. So, um, in the history of stock exchange development, there used to be a stock exchange uh, at Paris, the Bourse de Paris. Um, and independent stock exchanges in Amsterdam and in uh, Brussels. And they all came together and merged in the year 2000. Right. Interestingly, one of the reasons they merged was because of the competitive threat that was proposed by the then idea that the London Stock Exchange should merge with Frankfurt. 
So they all merged. In 2002, Lisbon, the Portuguese Stock Exchange, merged with them as well. Um, and, of course, in 2017, they acquired the Irish Stock Exchange. Right. So, so we like Euronext because it's a merger of individual stock exchanges which still have their own individual identities mm. but, but, but are globally competitive because they have the same technical platform. But Euronext also operates stock exchanges on behalf of third parties around the world. For example, the Beirut Stock Exchange in Lebanon right. runs on yeah. Euronext technology. So we like that as well, the fact that they're open-minded and mm. able to partner with third parties. Um, Euronext has said this initiative is strategic for them. Um, you know, we have got them to agree to launch a cash equities platform in the United Kingdom, which they don't operate, which is great. Yeah. They do not yet operate, so that's, that's fantastic. Uh, and then the rest of it is European market architecture. So EuroCCP is a big clearinghouse in Amsterdam, and, and, and Euroclear um, is a settlement house. Yeah. So basically what we're saying is that this is the existing market architecture that all institutions and trading firms are familiar with. All tier one banks are already connected to it. Right. And that's why the Scottish Exchange will work. Right. Well, I, I'm sure everyone hopes it does. And this is obviously something, as we said, you've been working to, towards for a long time. Have you got any other big ideas hidden up your sleeve for the, for the future? Or is the focus now ah. going to be purely on this for the next 10 years or so? Um, yes, I do. But let's get this done first. <laughs> what, what, I, what I would like people listening to this blog to think about is how we... You can contribute. So we want you to be able to be an investor on this. If you are an advisor, we want you to be able to support the market and support people coming to market. And um, and of course, if you would like to float your company, then please contact either Fraser or myself. The, the big idea is this. It's the 21st century now, and we may well see as the century develops that new sorts of financial instruments will be introduced, perhaps well like the carbon trading system was introduced. And I hope the stock, the stock Exchange in Scotland can be a leader and a leading venue in, in the thought process that might enable that. Because I, I think we'll, we will start, of course, with equities and with fixed income and with investment trusts. But we may well see the creation of new instruments that could be traded in the future. Right. That, that will allow capital to be invested for purposes which are socially valuable. Right. Well, Thomas Carruthers, that's, uh, I think that's a, a lovely way to end. So thank you very much. Thank you, Fred. What an interesting project. Now, prior to interviewing Thomas, I attended an event at Edinburgh's Royal Botanic Gardens at which plans for the exchange were unveiled. During the Q&A session, one interested party went on something of a digression in which he mentioned that he was the part owner of a horse called Pentland Hills that would be taking part in the Cheltenham Festival. Now, I'm not a racing man, I'm not a betting man, but this stuck in my head and a week later, I spontaneously stuck a £5 each-way bet on the nag, despite it being a rank outsider. To my delight and surprise, it romped home at 20 to 1 and netted me £100. I felt very warm about the Scottish Stock Exchange since and wish it every success. A great story is unfolding. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back again in a fortnight. To find out more about the Scottish Business Network, simply visit sbn.scot.